You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 372. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is none other than John Karka, the director of, of, director of SEO for Advanced Local. <laughs> How you doing, man? It's been so long, it's, I almost forgot how to been, see it. Yeah, it's, it, you at least you remembered my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been slacking off, huh? I've been vacationing off. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure our nice listeners won't take season. it personally. It's been a nice holiday season. I think I think I took more time off in December, um, just because I had you know I had time that I had to use or lose, right? That I think I've took the longest amount of time off in a row that I've taken in a decade. Wow! So, yeah, it was you, nice. Well, did, did you did finish any projects? What did you do? Um, I built a new shop in my basement. Nice, which was fun. Um, and I gamed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's always fun to have some time off and uh, I know it's a good holiday here. So hope all of our listeners had a fantastic holiday season and happy new year to y'all. Uh, this is our first episode of 2020. Oh. I've been dying to write 20 Woo-hoo. on my, uh, signatures and stuff. And that's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's start with the first one here. Uh, the question is, are too many 301 redirects harmful? This is something you found on Webmaster World. Yeah, and there were a lot of interesting answers to this. Um, and the, the basic question the guy asked was, I've got a site that has 4.7 million URLs, but I also have 4.9 re- million redirects. So he's got more redirects than he actually has URLs, and he's worried that that's hurting him. And a lot of, there were a lot of good, interesting answers and questions in that thread on Webmaster World, but I think it really comes down to one thing. And we've talked about this in the past. Um, are these redirects parts of redirect chains um, or specific redirects like HTTP to HTTPS? 
you know, HTTP to HTTPS, you're going to have one of those for every single page on your website. So there's, that takes care of 4.7 million of those 4.9, right? But still, that leaves him 200,000 redirects that he's worried about. If, if they're not part of a redirect chain, I think you're fine, right? Um, if you have like a redirect to another redirect to another redirect and so on, that's going to cause you issues over time. You want to redirect once is best practices. If you can get it from the, the original URL to, to the one that you finally want to land on in one jump, you're going to do better. Um, the other thing to worry about is if you do a bunch of individual types of redirects that, that create change, you end up creating, um, it possibly creating a load, a server load for your HT access file. Um, if, if you have like one line of code that can redirect everything from HTTP to HTTPS, that's not a problem. But if you have to create an individual line of code for each individual <laughs> redirect and you have 200,000 of them, Ouch. You know, that's, that's going to be a problem for your server load and um, the speed of your site. So Yeah. And depending on the service you're using, um, I would imagine if you've got that big a site, it's, this isn't for sure, but maybe it's not WordPress. Um, obviously, uh, bigger companies have f far fancier content management systems. However, there are some that use WordPress that are probably that big, at least. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, plugins that help you with redirects may or may not be a good idea. Some of them are not well built um, and right. may actually cause more of a server load than your HD access. So keep that in mind, too. Exactly. Yeah. All but, right. But the, I think the, I think the uh, Cliff Notes is as long as there's needed and very specific redirects for something like an HTTP to HTTPS, um, you can have as many of them as you want. The more that you start having internal um, chains and that kind of stuff, it, it can move into the harmful realm at some point. Yeah. But there's not really a specific number. It kind of depends on your servers and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, as you said, there's many ways that this could naturally happen. So, um, and it's, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be such a big deal. Just keep in mind that you just put on that good old common sense filter and you should be okay. Um, all right. Next question. At, at, at enterprise companies, SEOs cannot, quote unquote, do most of the SEO. So this is something that was from Search Engine Land. I did skim across it. I didn't pick it out yeah. here, but I noticed you added it. So Yeah, this is kind of interesting because um, I think a lot of people, I mean, there's definitely a difference of the way a small agency or even a large agency approaches SEO versus an in-house SEO at a very large enterprise company. Um, there's lots of politics involved. There's lots of different people with different goals trying to accomplish um, basically the same thing, but with different language and different approaches. And, and as an SEO, you know, if you say, I need you to change this on our website, most of the time in an enterprise company, the SEO cannot make the change themselves. They have to go to another division. Maybe it's the development um, team um, and they want to get something changed in the way the navigation works. They're not going to be able to do that themselves. There's going to be a team of people that have worked on that navigation for years that you're going to have to convince to make the changes. So I, I think just from an SEO 101 perspective, you know, a lot of times we get into this idea that we're going to go in and we're going to do this, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do this. Sometimes it's not about can you do the SEO? It's about can you convince someone else to do what you need done related to the SEO? 
And I thought that was a good thing just to bring up. It's the beginning of the year. People are starting to make their plans. You know, what are we going to do this year for our site? Um, how are we going to make improvements? If you're at a large enterprise company or you just joined a large enterprise company, this is the kind of thing you need to be aware of. Most of the time, it's more about um, helping the rest of the people in your enterprise understand The result in this at some point and, and they're going to know well tell me when and tell me how much but you're not going to be able to tell them that so it's it's really a unique skill set that we have to understand as seos about providing information convincing people to do things that are in the best interest of everybody but maybe a little bit against their personal goal or their personal divisions goals or you know they have to assign priorities it's a game it's it's a it's a really intricate dance that you have to do to get this stuff done. Something you're very, you're very familiar with. I'm thankfully am not. I don't deal a lot <laughs> with those departments, although more so, I guess, these days. However, usually there's a, a person in between who's hired us to come in for an enterprise level and, and they get, make sure that that's I've done big agencies that dealt with it. Yeah. And, and even if you're at an agency that does SEO for a big enterprise company, a lot of time you're, you're dealing with a marketing director or, mm -hmm. um, you know, whoever they, that company deems is the person that's going to deal with our SEO agency. Well, that person is going to have to be able to convince the, 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 the marketing person would have to be able to convince the development team to make these changes based on your recommendations. So even if you're at an agency, just dealing with enterprise companies sometimes can be a challenge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I hear about it, but I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> like, oh, that sucks. What else can we help you with? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Because, well, yeah, I don't want to get involved in those politics. It gets pretty but nasty. But there, it, I, I, there is a really interesting article in Search Engine Journal that kind of sparked that conversation. That if, you're, if, it's, if it's something you're dealing with, um, just look for uh, enterprise companies on Search Engine Journal. You should be able to find it. Cool. All right, but now we're going to jump into some local SEO notes. Uh, as you know, I like to jump into this because there's always lots of stuff going on. We're going to do two parts here. Uh, both are search engine land articles. However, uh, the first one talks about the upgrades and changes we saw through Google My Business in 2019. And the next one is what sort of improvements we could wish for in 2020. Um, I'm just going to skim through these, but uh, the first one is by Greg Sterling on Search Engine Land. It says, the big list of Google My Business changes, upgrades, and tests in 2019. I think it was a pretty good layout. I'm not, like I said, there's something here that I don't really need to cover. But some highlights. Um, in January, Google started emphasizing messaging in the Google My Business profile. Um, although <laughs> it compelled businesses and owners to uh, message exclusively through their Google My Business app. Um, this was after they abandoned uh, SMS-based messaging. Um, in February, the company started testing augmented reality walking directions in Map. It rolled them out widely in August called Live View. But as Greg notes, they're still not that helpful 10 months later. Uh, augmented reality is just, you know, in this case, really not there yet. Um, I love that they're doing it. This is exactly how you get there. You know, you have to start somewhere. Yep. Um, they also uh, introduced some new local spam reporting for Google My Business and Google Maps. This is long overdue. Uh, I don't see it making any impact, but <laughs> hey, that's a start, right? Um, in that, and that was uh, February. So March now, uh, they rolled out duplex for restaurant reservations. So those that don't know what that means, duplex is where you can um, request a 
um, a reservation, like you just mentioned it, and then Google will do the calling for you and set it up for you and then let you know it's done. So it's literally a, an agent, uh, uh, AI agent calling the restaurant, handling it all, getting back to you. Um, was that different? Was that different from when, because the, the big, when they first rolled out duplex, the big example they did in IO was for uh, setting up a haircut appointment. Same thing. Restaurants, yeah, but it's, so it wasn't just restaurants, it was just duplex. Well, in this case, they ruled it out for, rolled it out for duplex restaurant reservations um, over the phone for Pixel phones in most U.S. states. And in April, it expanded the capability to more Android phones and iPhones. It's okay. also expanding duplex to other verticals over time, to quote Greg here. Um, when I was in the States, I noticed, like when I was in Hawaii, I, I wanted to book uh, some, I forget. I was looking at something and said, would you like us to call them? I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> I'll do it myself. I don't know. I don't, don't trust it yet. Um, <laughs> didn't want it to mess with my trip. But, you know, if I was at home and I wanted to try stuff like that, I would. I don't think it's showing up yet in Canada. I think it's still just rolling out to the States. Um, they, Google also removed business addresses from the, the Google My Business profile for service area businesses, so that's SABs. Um, so if you, uh, let's say, were a, um, a plumber and you primarily drove to locations to work on homes, which obviously you would, and you didn't actually have a physical or mortar, bricks and mortar office, um, it was difficult to get listed in local. Um, so people often put their own home address. Um, well, they didn't really want that to show up. They just wanted to say that I work in this specific area. Um, you can call me within this area and, and I'll be there. Um, but they still showed the address. Well, now finally Google sort of hid that without penalizing people. Um, uh, you could hide it before, but there were some issues with that. So this is good. Uh, it also began testing auto-generated posts um, featuring reviews. So if you got a review, um, you get a Google post showing it. Um, occasionally within your uh, Google My Business uh, snippet when it showed up in search results. In April, uh, business listings appearing in Google Assistant or Google Home results uh, were being drawn from Google guaranteed listings or listings certified by partners such as Porch or HomeAdvisor. These were not ads. They were just uh, more vetted, which sort of uh, so pointed to how you could get in there. Talk a second about the Google guaranteed listings because I was actually just using a local search yesterday and the guaranteed listing impacted my selection. So mm. um, I don't have it in Canada. I haven't had a client yet to use it. So I, I can't tell you too much about it other than the fact that you had to go through quite a process to become a guaranteed uh, business. Um, and I believe, you know, and I, this is where it comes with the guarantee, but you had to, um, get so well vetted by Google that they would guarantee uh, a certain amount, if not all the cost of whatever it is you're getting done. So they would refund it if there was a problem. Um, and, and is that why you chose it? Um, yeah, because they had to go there's a little logo says Google guaranteed mm -hmm. um, in their listing in maps. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I, I tend to trust Google more than you do. So <laughs> I, I think I would trust that. I think I'd feel sad for other businesses. I would probably look at other options as well. I'd want to make sure I looked at all things, but because Google is not opening the door to everyone, it seems. Well, it was interesting too, because the, 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 the Google guaranteed listings, I saw it when I first did my search, but then when I started moving the map around, 
to, to look at things and then came back, it was nowhere to be found. The only time I ever saw it was when that initial generic search and it showed at the top. I don't know if it was at the hmm. top because of the guaranteed listing, but that's where it was. Then Sorry, I moved things around and it disappeared. Oh, be quiet. <laughs> be, be quiet, Google. Uh, you, you added the British voice. I love it. Uh, yes, I like the British voice. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, it, it was interesting because it appeared sometimes and not other times. I was, I was something I thought to myself that I should look into. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a good concept. Um, but you know, it's a good way for Google to charge money. <laughs> so there are certain disadvantages to businesses, but then again, you know, they're going to pay for ads anyway. So, um, if you get in, I'm sure it's wonderful. Uh, I just yeah. worry about how level of playing field it is. Uh, Google is not, doesn't have a good track record for level playing fields nope. when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, Google Posts started enabling businesses to promote reviews and testimonials uh, and present them as suggested posts. Um, they also surveyed small business owners about their appetite to pay for monthly subscriptions uh, within Google My Business, which would give enhanced features and services. Uh, this is still but, April, right? Yes. This still hasn't okay. come out. You know, No results have come from this. Obviously, it got a pretty mixed reaction. Um, I'm not opposed to it if it actually gave some real advantages, but it's kind of a natural move in my opinion. And if it meant that Google paid more attention to Google My Business, then hell yes, I would pay for it. Because <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much spam. I think that they, uh, they have enough money coming in, they should be doing something about it anyway. But if this is what it takes for them to clean it up, then whatever, if it's reasonable. I think mm -hmm. it's a good move. In May, um, they added... Uh, Call J, Call Joy, automated customer service. This is a call intelligence service for social uh, for small businesses, small medium businesses for thirty nine a month. I didn't know anything about this, so obviously it was uh, stateside. Um, apparently, it's upgraded the service and its capabilities in November. I've got it kind of earmarked to look into to see whether or not it's ever coming here in Canada, um, and just how important mm -hmm. it is for in the U.S. I'm a little leery of automated customer service. Obviously, it's not quite there yet. But it is improving a lot. A lot of these uh, bots do a pretty decent job of at least getting the conversation started. So maybe that's what it's doing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But calls, eh, I don't know. It's It'll touchy. happen. Yeah, it, it will. Eventually. It will. Um, but you should always offer the ability for someone to talk to you, talk to a real person. Because I think uh, I would say more than half are going to want to, especially if it's a high ticket item or service. Well, the question is, do you want to talk to them, right? <laughs> I do, because I want to get that sale. <laughs> you're the, no, no, no. I mean, you as the customer, do you want to talk to them? Because Google's calling in your name. Why should the business get the opportunity to call the customer direct? If the customer wanted to talk to them directly, they would have. Well, in this case, I, I believe CallJoy is out automating that customer service for calls. So they are calling. Oh, 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 oh so they're... Basically doing the opposite of duplex. Yeah, I get it. I was thinking of duplex. You're yeah. right. So, you know, and I don't know that that's going to be a very good um, experience for customers, unless you're talking some, you know, you got a lot of low level questions and answers that you get all or questions that you get asked all the time. But I don't know. It's, it's basically just automating the press one for this, press two for this, press yeah. three for this kind of thing. Yeah, possibly. I, I, again, I'm interested. I'm going to look into it and see what, it really is offering and whether or not it's just 
garbage. I mean, Google drops stuff all the time. In fact, I was pissed off to see uh, on another note that Google just yesterday, I got a notice saying that Google has dropped um, magazines from Google News. The uh, uh, I was getting my popular science, all these different magazines through there. And I could see that on my tablet. I loved it. It was great. Well, all of a sudden, nope, not happening anymore. We give you a refund. You sons of... <laughs> I hate that, man. Just hate it. You get really used to it and then they screw you. Just, you better go directly to the, the newspaper and, or magazine and do it yourself, I say now. I heard they have a whole room full of like, I think there's like eight to 10 people in there that are deciding what would piss Ross off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. It doesn't take much. Um, but <laughs> I don't like any of these things being messed with. I, I, and I'm very picky. I don't go for stuff until they're out in a while. And this one had been out so long. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. <laughs> and then they shut it down. Well, see, you got to get your timing right with Google. Cause you can really have, if you want to wait, don't wait longer than like a year. <laughs> no, by year two, it's iffy if it's going to still be around. So you got uh, the timing is perfect. You got to you got to hit the timing perfect. Well, I tell you, it was painful setting up too. They did not have a good system, so it's probably half the reason it's not working for them. It was so clunky. But anyway, probably because I was Canadian, it was more difficult. But yeah, anyway, I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also brought end to end. This is a, again in May. Um, they brought end to end food ordering to Google Assistant, Google Search, and Maps through partners. And here we go from this. Lovely level playing field, DoorDash, Postmates, and Delivery.com. I've actually had discussions with uh, competing companies who've talked to me about, you know, how do I get in here? I'm like, I don't know. It's who you know. Google just trashes anyone they don't know. I mean, you just don't have a choice. You can't get in there. Uh, DoorDash and these other companies are just killing. Um, And these other companies have no recourse. That really bothers me. I've, I've used one of those companies once I was traveling in the hotel as, a, as the Uber was taking me to my hotel, we passed a uh, pizza place that I really liked. It's not in the area. So I ordered it to the hotel and it was not a good experience. Mm. It, I mean, it was more, a lot more expensive. The food was not, the pizza was not really hot when it got there. I, I, I think there needs to be, there needs to be some work done on these services before they really, really, become a mainstream part of our lives. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, frankly, just the actual service from the pizza place is better than these, these guys, I bet. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Except yet, for the, the, the actual restaurants. The problem is the actual restaurants have very limited delivery areas, right? Uh, and that's for a reason yes. because they don't want their food <laughs> to get cold going two hours away. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I mean, there are companies that don't want to use any of those. They don't want to have their own delivery. I'm sure it's a pain in the ass and they use other but, ones, but, but it's helpful. It's helpful too. I mean, you know, if you are stuck at home um, because of whatever, and you can get DoorDash to deliver you McDonald's if you want, you know, it might be, Ugh. you know, right around the corner, but you, for some reason you can't get out to get it. Then I see that the value in it, but I guess, but there's often yeah. local companies that will push harder and work harder than these yeah. big brands. And that's where I kind of get concerned. All right, let's t- take a quick break and then we'll jump into June and finish off this uh, list. We'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. 
Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing Inc. All right, we're just going through a list of some of the major changes that happened in Google My Business over the last year. And uh, just coming up, I'll try and speed this up a bit here. It was a crazy year of updates. There's a lot of them. And, and just to give give him another another pat on the back, Greg Sterling put all this together. Absolutely, yeah. It was a great yeah. job here. Um, I, Greg always has quality articles. So thank you, Greg. Um, in uh, June... Um, Google added a, a range of new Google My Business features and tools designed to encourage more local businesses to claim profiles. Um, and, and I think this is important because there are a lot of unclaimed profiles out there. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's important if you want to be on the level playing field to get out there and actually be on the playing field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. can't do much about it if you're not. You can't uh, score if you're not in the stadium. Exactly. Um, in July, uh, there a, a get a quote button started appearing in local knowledge panels for the businesses that opted into Google My Business Messaging. Um, it also showed up in mobile and on the PC. Then um, in August, they t- Google was doing a lot of testing, including horizontal carousel to replace the local Mac pack in mobile results. Uh, at Google... My business added support for hotels to update services and amenities details. Uh, Google announced the test of Google Screened, a program similar to Google Guaranteed. Directed at professional services, Google Screened is currently limited to a few verticals and a few markets. Lawyers, such as estate planning and immigration, financial planners and realtors in San San Diego and Houston. I haven't actually heard of that. There you go. There's a new one uh, that I had missed. September, Google posts started showing up in the local pack, pack and local finder. Yet another reason why you need to jump into these and use them. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have a ranking impact, but they do, uh, you know, cause your your uh, post to, or your listing to jump out a little bit. So I think that's a, a good thing always. Uh, they are allowing local restaurants to opt out of third-party food ordering and delivery, uh, which again was a highly uh, popular feature. Um, I haven't seen that happen here yet. Hmm. But anyways, even if you could opt out, um, other companies couldn't show up if they wanted to show up. Uh, So it was a bit of a problem for other delivery services. Um, 
September saw a huge core algorithm update, which impacted local marketers. Um, and really, that's, the, that's when the shit started to hit the fan, pardon the, pardon the words here, but it was an awful, uh, because a bedlam update hit soon after here. Um, October, search by photos um, started to appear in mobile results. Uh, this is another reason why it's important to add photos to your Google My Business listings on a regular basis. Uh, they also uh, implemented a number of promised privacy controls for users. These allowed incognito mode for Google Maps, voice control to delete Google Assistant search activity, and auto-delete YouTube history. Just sort of has some impact on Google My Business there. Uh, November, Google introduced a local guides follow feature. This allowed Google Maps users in multiple cities to follow local guides and see their recommendations of places and things to do. And Google discontinued, whoa, how helpful is this? Toll-free phone support for Google My Business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead, users are now required to fill out a form and request a callback, which does slow response times, but I guess I can't blame them, as long as they do respond. Yeah. Um, in December, Google started showing carousels with local reviews and Q&A content. Uh, it also started automatically creating posts from photos when you add them to Google My Business. Um, you, and worse, in the worst case here is you couldn't actually delete these as a business owner, um, which I guess could be good, could be bad. <laughs> I like control all over the board, so I'd say it's bad mostly, but um, Google showed a request yeah. a quotes button in local results. Um, and it's, uh, it's available to business participating in the local service ads program and those that have passed the Google guaranteed background checks. Lastly, it tested a choose your area feature that allowed mobile users to further define their search area below the city level. So we, compl we complain about Google a lot, but they do a lot of stuff. Just that list you read is only a partial list of the, the, the projects, improvement, the changes, the additions um, that they've done over the past year. It's, they do a lot, but a lot of this stuff yeah. is oh, way overdue. They didn't do much. Like this list would have been probably a tenth the size the years before. Uh, 2019 was a busy year for them. I'll give them that but they yeah. had a lot of catch-up. <laughs> in their mind, it wasn't catch-up. It was, okay, now we have the resources to do this one. Yeah. Now we have the resources to do this one. Resources. It, it, I'd love to see their bottom line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. I, I, I like to paint them in a bad light, but, and, and sometimes they're, they're worthy of it. But uh, you know what? When you get this big and you serve this many people and – you cause businesses strife because you can't get your act together. You're going to get some flack and they literally are screwing up. They've got so much spam. It's, it's, it's appalling and they haven't done much if anything consistent to fix that. There's still a lot of spam out there. All right. Now this is quick. Uh, Joy uh, Hawkins put together a quick list of improvements she'd love to see in Google My Business. I can't agree more with these. Um, number one was she wants to see some customization inside the Google My Business Insights, the dashboard you see when you're in Google My Business. Uh, you can't see a lot. Uh, she'd love it if Google would allow you to customize the date range. Um, she'd also like to be, to be able to visualize the data by month or week instead of just daily. 
so just some improvements there. She'd love to see questions and answers in the Google My Business dashboard. And this is long overdue, she says. Again, can't agree more. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. It does not make any sense why that's not there. Uh, good questions and answers are so key and are, well, a major component of your marketing and your brand. It should be in this, in this area. Um, event posts should show chronologically. I actually noticed this on one of her discussion boards today that she was, someone else had been complaining about this. Uh, it is true. Currently, when you add an event, I'm reading from this post she, she put on here. Currently, when you add an event post inside the Google My Business dashboard, it shows the events in order based on when you post them, not based in the date of the actual event. This has been confusing for users, and I'd love it if Google could change it. It would be confusing. It sounds like it's a developer just forgot to realize that the events happen in their own order, not definitely the owner of people. Yeah, and you know, that seems so simple and so straightforward, and yet why hasn't it been changed and fixed? It's been a little while that this has been noted. Uh, anyway, uh, make service areas in Google My Business actually impact rankings. Currently, the ranking of a service area business listing is based on the address that the listing is used for verification, not the service areas they enter into the listing. Again, that just makes good sense. This is really troubling for tons of contractors who work from home and don't live in the city they service. Yeah. Um, uh, you see how basic some of these issues are? <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's mind-blowing. Um, the last one here, she said, I'd love Google My Business to devote more resources to stopping known spammers. I guess we talked about that too. It is just plain bad, and some of them are obvious. Yeah. And Joy, Mike Blumenthal, countless people within the industry are finding actual networks and submitting them and nothing's being done. Um, they've, they've got all the information, but they're not doing anything with it. And it's astounding. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you, Joy. And thank you, Greg. Um, you guys did great articles there and uh, huge thanks. It's always nice to be able to list some of this off because it's been a, quite a big year last year. And hopefully it's going to be a good one for local this year. Yep. All right. Sure. Um, let's jump to, um, well, I guess I'll quickly cover this. Um, in general news, I thought this was kind of intriguing. Uh, online tax filing services, uh, you know, everything from QuickBooks to uh, TurboTax to all these things were hiding um, their free submission service that would allow people to, under 66,000 in earnings, to uh, submit their tax forms. Um, they were doing that for their own reasons, obviously, because if you didn't know it was there, you'd have to pay them. Well, finally this year, they were caught doing this. What was happening is they were using the uh, no index tag um, uh, or, or whatever they were using at that time. I'm not even looking at the article. What were they using? It was the uh, meta no index and robots no index tags. Anyways, they were blocking the pages from being shown in search results. And so they're using a little SEO to uh, mess with the, the rights of users. And thankfully, they got nailed for it. And now this year, they have to reveal them. Um, and Do they have to offer them? They don't have to put a link to them or anything like that, but they have to offer them, yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a link, literally. I don't think it's, it's, an, it's quote unquote, this is how it's supposed to say on the page. IRS free file program delivered by blank. So the member of the company name, 
or product name. Um, and that is a place that people are supposed to be able to do their submissions and help and get that done without paying anything. So I'm glad to see that. That's going to help a lot of people out. Um, also, there is a recommended video to watch. Anyone who's been um, in the SEO industry a while and know about Matt Cutts, uh, wonderful guy in our industry, um, since moved on to working with uh, the United States government. But uh, anyway, he's... He's actually the, um, they, they fired his boss when Trump first came in and he's been the acting head of the U.S. digital services since then. What an improvement, what a leap. Like he's done everything, man. It's brilliant, dude. Yeah. It's just amazing. Um, anyway, it's an interview that uh, Barry Schwartz did with Matt Cutts. He went to his, uh, I guess to his office. I'm not sure, but I haven't watched the video completely, but I know it's good. Uh, Barry doesn't do anything less than good and, and he goes there and asks some questions and just catches up with Matt. I think it'd be a great video. You can find it on Search Engine Land. Um, and the title is Matt Cutts, former head of Google Web Spam on his days at Google and current work at the U.S. Digital Services. So check it out. All right. What's on the Mueller files? Uh, just a couple quick things, just kind of common sense stuff for those of us that have been in the industry for quite some time, but something that's nice to explain and, and re-verify re for the newer people in the industry. Um, first one is uh, Mueller had a question about um, the use of H1, H2, H3 tags. And it's a pretty in-depth article over at Search Engine Journal again on this, but they basically boiled down to two things. Um, Mueller explained that keywords and headings will not necessarily make you rank better. And headings are useful to Google for communicating what the content is about. So, and, and I think we've known for a while that the keywords in H1, 2, 3 tags don't carry nearly as much weight as they did 10, 15 years ago. They, that used to have, they used to have a ton of weight. Mm -hmm. But in, in the past decade, it's, it's really been declining quite a bit. I even think Moz did a study a few years ago and claimed that H keywords and H1 tags don't have any impact anymore, but Moz likes to, to, to link bait things. So to <laughs> 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 so say, but just, just from that perspective, if you're worried about making sure you're putting keywords in your H1 and H2 and H3 tags, and you want to put your most important keywords in the H1 and less important keywords in H3, it really doesn't make that much difference. Don't spend your time doing that. Yeah. Um, sorry. Got a call in my head. You might want to edit that out for Brasco. Uh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's take a quick pause and I'll mention it. Okay. Okay. I noticed there's a tweet here from uh, John Mueller about dot uh, coms as well. Yeah. And this is another one. Um, ever since we started getting these additional domain extensions like dot club and dot rocks, I actually bought, I actually owed a dot rock, a couple of dot rocks domains for my uh, band. Anyway, <laughs> um, people have always been speculating about, well, do those, those TLDs, those domain types have the same kind of priority as a dot com. Um, if I, if I have a domain that's a dot club, is it the same? You know, is it going to be the same as if I had a dot com? And John was very, very clear. He said, dot, com, dot club is a generic top level domain, just like dot com for us. There is no bonus for using a dot com domain. Hmm. So 
I think, you know, people, the, the bonus for Google, and he's talking about a bonus for Google. There is a bonus from a marketing perspective because dot-coms are much more widely recognized than these newer ones. I think that'll change over the next decade or so because we, we're going to run out of dot-coms. We really are. <laughs> and, and people are going to have to start using these other ones. But I just thought it would be nice to just to reinforce the fact for people that any dot anything, whether it be edu or a dot gov or dot com or a dot club or a dot rocks, they are all baseline exactly the same. So there's no advantage to picking one over the other. All right, cool. For, okay, from now a Google, from a Google perspective, let's just be clear on that. Yeah, no, that's good to know, and it's good for listeners to be reminded of that because I get that question a lot too. Um, so let's just. A couple, a couple questions. I know this is a long episode, but uh, I want to jump into a few. But uh, before we do that, let's take a quick break and we'll get into a question from Ian Cunningham. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2020 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2020. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2020 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, so Ian asks, uh, when someone refers to a technical SEO audit, what would you say is included? Um, it's a good question. I mean, there are going to be varying levels of a technical SEO audit. Um, I expect, uh, certainly in terms of how comprehensive they are. Um, but, and I'm sure you, you have a better mind for breaking things down on the fly here, Johnny, but I would think I would start with looking at on page site wide, um, and you know, everything from those, those main things in terms of on pages, um, and the structure of the site to the technology. Um, I'd be looking at anything that affects search rankings, 
um, from a technical SEO standpoint. Um, that's, that's huge. I think the first thing to do when you're talking about a technical SEO audit is determine how technical is the site, right? Because if you have a really baseline site, it's five pages made out of, you know, just hand coded HTML. That's a lot, a lot different than a really highly complicated, uh, content management system designed to service e-commerce, right? Um, or our sites alone, we have probably six or seven different content management systems running one website. So there's a lot of difference when you <laughs> say technical SEO audit. Um, to, it really starts with how technical is your site first to begin with, right? Um, after you've determined, okay, we're pretty technical, we have some issues, then you really kind of have to break it, in my mind, you have to break it down into different pieces of technical. Like, okay, um, the, the, the CMS itself, uh, I'm going to look at that. Then I'm going to look at how the CMS is deployed. Content um, management and, system, right? Yes, content management system, sorry. How it's deployed. I'm going to ask and talk to the client about any modifications they might have made to the, the system from a technical standpoint uh, to make sure those are looked at or done correctly. I mean, if you're wanting just a list of A, B, C, and D, you're going to look at navigation. You're going to look at my one of my first things is to look at indexation. If there's, you know, the page has this technical site has you know a thousand pages, but you got twenty thousand listed in Google. If you do a site colon, you know there's a technical issue somewhere, and mm -hmm. and it's it's more about uncovering and discovering the, the things that might be holding the site back from a technical perspective than just running down a checklist. I have a checklist and I run down, but most of the things on my checklist are indicators that there's a problem, not checking for a problem. Mm -hmm. Because if you find a problem, there could be 10 different reasons or ways that problem has been created. And you have to figure out which one this site is using to create their problem. Mm. Right. Well, and we often get questions we're brought in to just determine the answer of, you know, why is this happening? And then we, mm -hmm. we can frame our technical SEO audit around that. Now, um, what I'm in, what I'm, I'm imagining you're looking for, though, is kind of the list, right? Um, so, you know, John talked about navigation. Um, I mentioned the technology, you know, making sure that um, everything's updated, making sure that... Um, site speed is part of a technical oh, audit. Huge, huge. You know, huge if, if it's a, a content management system, the plugins, you know, are they as efficient as they could be? Um, is there any, how is the server load? Um, looking at, from an SEO perspective, again, trying to focus on that here, um, from a, a site-wide perspective, how easy is it to get to every, certain pages? Are there a lot of orphan pages? Um, maybe key pages are, um, what pages are ranking, are there other quality pages you want found near there? It is very in-depth. And, and frankly, oftentimes, we don't get enough of a budget to do everything. But we yeah, will look for what the answers are based on the question. Yeah, and a lot of t and I hate the idea of someone just going and say, we're going to do a technical audit of your site. Because a lot of the times the things are intermingled, content, the way it's displayed, if they're using some kind of Ajax or something to display content, well, that could be found in a 
content audit, but it could also be part of a technical audit. So there's a lot of crossover between this stuff as well, <laughs> depending on what you find when and where. Would you agree? I think all audits are technical. It's a matter of whether you're doing an audit or an advanced audit. Um, I don't know if a backlink audit is technical. No, no, SEO audits. Like all backlink, SEO audits. You know, but a backlink audit is part of an SEO audit in my mind. Part, yes, but that's yeah. still, it's technical. I, would, I mean, I you, would, you talk to people, if I talk to half my clients, they would say that's technical. They wouldn't understand what it is, right? Hmm. It's what we all have different levels of what we call technical, right? Um, we've been around it for 23, 24 years. So that's understandable. So, so, technical to us, so if you're looking at advertising placement on a site, right? As one of the pieces of an audit, is that a content or is that a technical? Because the advertising, one of the reasons you look at advertising is because the advertising can really slow down a site. That would be mm -hmm. a technical. One of the reasons you look at advertising on a site is because Google doesn't want a bunch of advertising above the fold. That would probably be content. So there's, there's a lot of things that fit in multiple categories in SEO. I still think it would be considered technical because it, is, it isn't exactly fluff. <laughs> but uh, maybe we're just looking at the different well, perspectives well, maybe, of what technical means, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Ian, I hope that helps. We could bat this around. I know John and I could just go at this forever. <laughs> the kind of thing we do over a cigar. <laughs> um, so Carl Bush asks, does anyone else feel frustrated that Google My Business posts are behind standards of creating events? Mine are not listed by order of event date and you can't make recurring events unless I'm missing something. Didn't we just talk about that? <laughs> exactly. I know. Isn't that hilarious? Like, yes. Yeah. As you know, Carl, if you've been listening, that this is uh, an issue that is known and is annoying and is not fixed yet. And he makes, he makes a great point about recurring events, though. That seems yeah. like something that should be included. Well, yes and no. You'd think so, but then Google doesn't want you to just set and forget. They want you to come back. That's true. Um, and it isn't a bad thing to do because then you check everything else when you're there. So I can think of worse things to have to do. I know from a uh, management perspective, which is probably what Carl's doing of another client site, recurring would be fabulous. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just, I'm afraid we're not going to get there with Google. They just don't find that in their interest, I bet. Uh, sorry, Carl, it is a common issue you're dealing with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Next question is from Noah Lamb. What are some ways to see what is actually in the not set search query shown in Google Analytics? <laughs> yeah, I know you wanted to talk yeah. about this one. Yeah, this one's interesting. So there's a diff big difference between not set and what's the other one? Not, not um, provided. Not provided, right? Those are not the same thing. Not provided is where Google has decided that they do not want to show you what the search query was. And not set, there is actually is not a search query. Um, one of the, I think the easiest example of this is like Google Discover. So Google Discover is part of the, the app. It'll just show you things that it thinks you like. There's actually no search involved, but it comes from Google. So when it comes across from Google, there's no search query, but you got the clicks. So it's most likely a not set. There's, there's no keyword associated with that click. So there's nothing for you to see what's behind it because there isn't anything behind it if that makes sense. Yeah. So hopefully that, that helps you, Noah. I know it's annoying how much Google keeps under the wraps, but that's one we just couldn't have control of if we wanted, I don't believe too. I believe anyway. Um, next question uh, Noah had is, when you look at the Google Search Console, what do you look at first? 
Well, I think it comes down to what you're looking for. Um, if I'm just going just to peruse, uh, where do I go first? I guess I'm, I, I look first at, I guess my preference is keywords. Um, but I, it kind of changes all the time. I don't really have a place I go every time. How about so, you, John? So, so it's, this is an interesting question because we just came back from the holiday break and I've been out for a while and I wanted to do, I wanted to look at all of our sites. I say, okay, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back, which was yesterday, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to look at search analytics, uh, Google analytics, search console for all of our sites. See if anything weird has popped out at me or you know, happened while I was gone basically. Uh, and and I think I do this most of the time. I, I, the first thing I did is I went to the overview because the overview does have a really good um, you know, overview of what's going on with the site in each of the areas in Search Console. Um, it'll pop up a message if you've gotten some kind of um, uh, penalty or they found a security issue. So it'll be on that, that overview if that happened. Um, but then if there's certain things you know about your sites, like I've got a site that's been having a little bit of issue with site maps. So I wanted to, I immediately went in there to look, like you said, Russ, it's what are you trying to find? If there's a different issue that you're looking at, you know, A, look at the overview and then dig into that issue. That's basically the way I go. And trying to go, just logging in now. Yeah, it's the overview. I mean, it's the first thing I see. I go from there when I see anything of interest. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Performance is a, is a big area. Yep. Yeah, and, that, and from there I see my queries. I, I guess that's where I spend most of my time when I'm first there. I, I, I'd say about 70 to 80% of the time I'm going into Search Console, I have a specific task in mind. Yes. And that's what I look at first. The other time I'm gonna use that overview to kind of guide me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can count on my one hand, I think in the last year I've gone Google Search Console just for the sake of it. Um, I can count I, on 12 that I did yesterday. <laughs> just for the sake of it? Well, yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense yeah. that you just got back. <laughs> so there you go, Noah. I hope that, that helps. I know it's a little vague, but it's just the way it is. I think we looked at these stuff, this stuff too much. So we're usually there just on a, on, a, on a mission. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune in to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkins treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin', like our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin spice signature latte. And our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.